Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here this morning as we kick off a brand new series called Becoming. And what we're going to be looking at over this series is really Romans 8. Because Romans 8, if you've never read it before, Romans 8 is one of the most beautiful chapters in all of Scripture. And it has these huge themes of who we are in Christ, of who we are in the midst of suffering, and what does God do in the midst of suffering and difficulty. So we want to explore those things together. We're going to begin today with taking a look at who we are in God. What is our identity? What is our grounding? Who are we actually becoming? That's what we want to take a look at. Next week, we're going to take a look at who we are in suffering. What do we do in difficulty? What kind of things happen in those spaces? And then the last week, we're going to take a look at what activity or what actions does God do when we're in difficulty? So that's where we're going to be over the next few weeks. And I think that this matters uh, for all of us, because what I would like to suggest to you, or at least I know it's true for me, is that I grow most in seasons of disruption, right? Like if I were to look back on my life, the times where I grew most, where I was shaped most or formed most, wouldn't ever be kind of the mountaintop experiences. They'd be kind of the valleys. But here's also what I know is that when I'm in a season of disruption, and my bet is, is that you're in a season of disruption just like I am, I rarely ask the question of who am I becoming? Like when things are difficult, those aren't the things I'm thinking about. And maybe I'll just speak for me, and I won't speak for you, but I know at least for me, and Krista will probably say amen to this, I do not spontaneously become a better person in difficulty. Like that's, <laughs> that's not what happens, actually. I don't like magically become more awesome or anything like Can that. We Can we be honest in church? Oh my goodness. <laughs> One of these days, there will not be a mic for her anymore. I'm, I'm feeling that in my honesty, in my vulnerability. In the, yeah, yeah. But I think you can probably relate, right? That you likely know that you change most in seasons of disruption and difficulty, but it's also the time that we are least paying attention to how we are changing. So over the next few weeks, that's just what I want to do. I want to take a look at and pay attention to who are we becoming? Because all of our lives are headed somewhere, and I want to make sure that they are actually headed towards where God has for us. So that's why we're going to be taking a look at Romans 8, really looking at who are we in God and what is it that God does in the midst of these seasons. And so over the next few weeks, that's where we're going to go. And I want to begin today with, as I said, just really taking a look at who are we in Christ. And here's why I think that this matters. Here's why I think this matters. Because there are lots of things online, specifically, that will tell you all about yourself. Right? There are lots of personality tests and all those sort of things. There's all those little ones on Facebook all the time. And then there are more serious ones. Like a little while ago, Myers-Briggs was incredibly popular, right? And then it was Strengths Finder, and now the big popular test is the Enneagram. Like, that's the one that everybody's kind of doing. And I've done them all, and you can take your guess if you want at my Enneagram number if you want. Um, I've done... <laughs> Don't give it away, Krista. <laughs> so I've done all of these. But here's the starting place for each one of these personality tests, okay? The starting place is always our personal self-assessment. Or to put it another way, those tests always begin with what we think is true about ourselves. But today, today, I don't want to begin with what we think is true about ourselves. I want to begin with what God says is true about ourselves. I want to begin with what God says is true about you and true about me. Today, I want to talk about our identity and how it is found in Christ and what it means for you and for me and what it means especially for who we are becoming. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up to Romans 8. And I actually invite you, especially if you don't have your Bible with you, go and find it. I'm going to talk a little bit just about what we're doing today. But today, we're going to be going through like 20 verses. So we're going to be really, really heavy in Scripture today, and I think it matters. And I want to share with you a little bit why. Because if you've ever noticed, normally, my kind of preaching style or preaching philosophy isn't actually to give you a ton of verses. Right? My goal when I preach in general, this is my philosophy, is to explain a passage really clearly so that we can live it out and actually practice it. Like, that's my goal, to actually explain a passage really deeply and clearly so that we can actually live it out, right? So for me, I just often think it's really all not that helpful for me to read tons and tons and tons of passages that then people semi-get. 
I would rather prefer to go deeply into one passage. But today, I'm actually going to be breaking kind of my rules or breaking my normal pattern. And here's why. Because today, I don't want you to just understand a scripture. Instead, I want you to kind of start to get the breadth, the depth, and the amazing grandeur of what it is that God has done for you, right? Of who you really are in Christ. And we can't really understand the huge, amazing horizons of that if we just kind of focus in on one scripture. So for today and also next week, I'm going to be reading lots of different scripture and not commenting on every single verse like I normally would. Instead, I want to pull out some of the highlights, some of the themes that I think really matter for us. Today, what I hope to do is kind of expand your horizons on how you view yourself because of what God has done for you and what he has done for me. And so I want to begin in Romans 1, uh, Romans 1, Romans 8, uh, verse 1, okay? And so we read this. Paul says this. So now, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me say that again, right? So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Does anyone want to say amen to that? Isn't that not just one of the most beautiful verses that have ever been wrote? There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No judgment, no penalty, no shaming, scolding, or any of that kind of junk. No, 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 no. Paul says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I feel like I could just, I could almost just sit on this verse for this entire sermon because I think it is so powerful. I think it's one that many of us have likely heard preached before or heard before, but it's one of these verses that I don't think we think about enough that I don't think we actually let settle into our hearts enough. I think it's one of those verses that we are often tempted to like disbelieve, to doubt, or to dismiss. So if you want to know, if you want to know why I absolutely refuse to ever use guilt and shame and judgment in my preaching, do you want to know why I absolutely refuse to do that? It is not because I'm weak or wishy-washy on sin. It's because I'm a Christian, actually, okay? Because I'm a Christian. And I believe that if there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, there had better not be in his church. Amen? If there is no condemnation in Jesus, there had better not be in his church. And then, I want to take one more step with this. If there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, if you belong to him, there is no condemnation. There shouldn't be in his church. And then there also shouldn't be in your life as well. Because how many of you, how many of you, if you're really honest, if you're really honest, that times, like when you're going to bed or there's that stillness, all of a sudden voices of shame, voices of guilt, voices of judgment, and that you're not enough and of your lack speak to you. Well, I want to just say really, really clearly is that if you belong to Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation and you can be free from those voices and you can live differently from those voices. That I really do believe just strongly and clearly there is no condemnation if you belong to Christ Jesus. And I just... Oh, I love that idea of belonging, right? Because it is based on a connection. It is based on intimacy, a relationship, that as we are connected to him, we are changed. That's what this verse is getting at, and that we no longer live under any condemnation, damnation, judgment, penalty, any of that stuff. Instead, we can live differently. So the first thing, who are we becoming? This is just like verse one, right? The first thing, who are we becoming? We are people, if we belong to Jesus, that are free from condemnation. This is who you are. This is who I am. This is our identity. Okay, so that's the first thing. And I want to continue because we have like another, I don't know, 19 verses to go or something, okay? And so we continue, we read this. And Paul says, and because you belong to him, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That as you belong to Christ Jesus, you are freed from the power of sin. He says this, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. 
God declared an end to sin's control over you. God declared an end to sin's control over me by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us and who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. I can't tell you how excited I get when I read these verses. Do you hear what Paul is just boldly proclaiming? That sin no longer has a control over you. That God has ended that. That you don't need to follow your sinful nature anymore. I just think this is so beautiful and we need to think about this so clearly and so deeply that this is who you are. Can I just put it this way? That you have been freed from the power of sin. That you have been freed from the power of sin. And I know, I know I'm saying that kind of boldly, but I'm stating that boldly and clearly because scripture does. Because scripture does, and I don't think we have preached this strong enough, that you have actually been freed from the power of sin, that you can live differently. You can actually live out of freedom following the spirit, not your sinful nature. Because here's what I think has happened, okay? Here's what I think has happened, that especially in the Western church, okay? We have gotten so sin-focused and so sin in some ways obsessed with things like the fall, total depravity, and a technical term was called the gospel of sin management, that this is what we have done. We have rightly raised up the severity of sin. We have rightly raised that and pointed that out. But we have done that at the expense of the victory and freedom that Christ Jesus brings to each and every one of us. Because sometimes, because of how we talk about sin in the West, we make it seem as if sin is unbeatable. We make it seem as if sin is the biggest thing in the world. But I want to be clear about this, that Christ has freed us from the power of sin. Amen? He has freed us from the power of sin. He has freed you and he has freed me. And we need to live in this, that we can actually live differently. We can actually combat and beat sin, not because of how amazing we are. No, 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 that's junk. No, we can live differently because of what Christ has done and what his spirit empowers us to do. We can live differently because of what Christ has done and what his spirit empowers us to do. And in case you think I'm reading into this, let's just continue on in the scripture. And you'll just see this theme again and again and again, that God has declared an end to sin's control over us. So Paul continues, he says, those who are dominated by sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never does or obeys God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are under the control of sinful nature can never please God. But listen to this but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of the living God living in you. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of the living God living in you. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You can live differently. And I know if you're like, I don't know, a human like me, you might be thinking to yourself, but like I get entangled with sin all the time. I get screwed up with it. I fall to temptation, all those sort of things. I I get that, I do too. But today what I wanna preach really boldly is who you are. And according to the scriptures, the truth of that is that we are not controlled by our sinful nature. That because of Christ, we can actually live like Christ, right? That's what it's getting at. That because of Jesus, we can live like Jesus. That because he gives us his spirit, we can actually live differently. And I think that this is a word of hope. Because I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I know I have. Sometimes I've just felt like I've been trapped in a struggle of sin. Like in temptations I can't get away from. But this passage teaches us so clearly that you can live free from the power and control of sin. It actually continues. It says this, Paul says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. You have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Is there a better verse in almost all of scripture that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me? 
And if that same spirit lives in you and me, impossible things can happen in you and me, like living differently, living holy, living new lives, no longer under the control of sin. It says this, that just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give the same life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die by them. But if you, uh, through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So I just hope you hear Paul. He's wanting to say that you and I, we can live differently. We can live free lives because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So who are we? Who are we? Well, first, we are people who are no longer condemned, right? That if, we, that if we belong to Jesus, we are actually free from condemnation. And then what Paul wants to say is that we are also people who are free from the power of sin, that we can live differently. We can live holy lives. We can live new lives by following the Spirit. This is who you are, and this is who I am. If you know Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of him, this is what Scripture says is true about you, and it is true about me. So those are the first two things I just want to explore with us today, right? That who are we? According to scripture, if we belong to Jesus, we are people free from condemnation. And then according to scripture, we are also filled with the spirit that lets us live free lives. So if we've talked about the son, we talked about the spirit, who else do you think there's left to talk about? Right, the father, right? That's the next verse or two. I want to continue on uh, going through this. It says this. So now you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when, you adopt, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, it says this, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Do you just, do you hear that, how beautiful that is? I hope you get that in many ways today. All I am doing is reading scripture and sharing scripture and just kind of like giving thoughts on scripture. I just want scripture to shape who you are. Not other tests or other ideas about who you are, but the truth of God's revelation of who you are. Listen to what that text says. It says that you are not given a, a fearful spirit of slaves, right? Instead, you are given his own spirit. I just think that this is so incredibly beautiful. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So this should be obvious, but if in this season, if fear is guiding you, if fear is speaking to you, if fear is whispering to you, can we just say amen to this? That is not from God, amen? Because God does not give a spirit of fear. That is nowhere in the scriptures. That is not a part of this. God does not guide through fear. He does not guide through fear. So you don't need to listen to that voice because God has actually given you a different spirit. Listen to what the verse says, the very, very next one. It says this, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And I don't think sometimes we should rush past this stuff. Listen to it. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So let me just ask you a question. Who adopted you? Who welcomed you in? Who took the initiative? It was God the Father, right? That's what the verse says. When he adopted you as his own children. And here's why I think this matters so, so much. Because there are some of you out there who have never, felt, uh, have never ever felt wanted. Some of you have never ever felt desired or that anyone actually wants you or cares for you. But this verse makes it absolutely clear that God took the initiative to welcome you, to adopt you, that he chose you as his child. Do you hear that? That you're adopted into his family and that you are now a child of God. That you are now a child of God. And as I said, I think this stuff matters because so many of us, we've heard other voices that tell us untrue things about ourselves. Right? Some of you have heard voices that say that you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything, that you're ugly, that you're stupid, that you're whatever. Well, I want to tell you what is absolutely true based in Scripture and in the revelation of Jesus Christ, 
is that if you belong to Jesus, you are a child of God and that the Father is welcoming you and adopting you in. So who are we and who are we becoming? Well, according to this passages that I read, and I know I read a lot. I know we went through a lot. I know there's a lot we even didn't cover. But today, my hope was not that you understand one thing, but you start to understand all the different kind of grandeur and amazing things that God has done for you and he has done for me. And so we look at scripture, who are we? Well, according to that, we are people who are no longer condemned if we belong to Jesus. We are people freed from the power of sin with the spirit living within us. And we are people who are adopted and welcomed in as a child of God by the Father. This is who you are. This is who I am if you're a follower of Jesus. These are some of the beautiful uh, promises of scripture that I think that we should lean into in this season. Because as I said, when I'm in seasons of disruption, I am not thinking about who I'm becoming. I'm not thinking about how I'm changing. I'm often just trying to get through the day. This is why I want ourselves to ground ourselves in the truth of scripture that says that this is who you are. You are a follower of Jesus who hasn't been condemned. You are filled with the spirit that frees you to live differently. And you are welcomed and adopted by God the Father as one of his children. So what is my main point today? My main point is just really simple, okay? This is who you are. You are a child of God, filled with power, under no condemnation, right? That is who you are. You are a child of God, filled with power, and freed from condemnation. And I think this is the identity that we should be living into. So today, my challenge is this. My challenge is this, that if that's who we are, right? A child of God, freed um, from condemnation and filled with power, my challenge is, would you live out of that identity today? Would you actually start to live out of that identity in this strange season that we are in? I want to talk about how to do that. Like, how do we actually live out of this? And to do that, I want to talk a little bit about identity and how it's formed. Now, when it comes to identity, there are lots of different ways that we can think about it. And one of the most common ways is to think of identity as an aggregate of all of our experiences or an accumulation of all of our experiences. And here's what I mean by that. That for many of us, we think of our identity as kind of all of the different experiences, choices we've ever made, all kind of wrapped up into one, right? And this is one of the ways that we can actually think of it that as we lean into certain actions, it becomes a part of our identity. So to give you an example of how this can work, uh, the other day, uh, our kids were being kids, and I kind of like lost it. Uh, I lost it, not because our kids were being bad, but as we talk about on our house, uh, I was on the struggle bus, right? Struggle bus. Struggle bus. I was on the struggle bus. The kids were not being stressful. I was just feeling stressed, and I didn't respond well. I didn't respond well. I actually like just kind of lost it and was not in a good space. Um, and almost instantly after I did that, I had this thought of, like, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This isn't what I do. And that's actually true, right? And that one action with my kids, that doesn't define my entire relationship with them, right? Um, you know, losing it once doesn't do that. But if, if I were to constantly become angry and stressed and, um, you know, lose my temper with them every day, I would soon become an angry dad, right? Do you see how sometimes our choices can accumulate into our identity or the actions we choose to live into soon begin to define us, right? That the actions we start to actually choose and to live into soon become our identity. So that's one way of thinking about identity. It becomes the accumulation of all of our experiences. But that's not the only way, actually. The other way to realize it, too, is that sometimes we have such a powerful moment that it changes us forever, right? That it seems to outweigh all those other kind of moments that we might have. I'll give you an example of some of this. For me, I had this incredibly powerful experience in junior high, which is why I think that junior high ministry like, matters incredibly amount to me. Because uh, in junior high, uh, Chris, do you remember when we went on that retreat to that Apple place? Yeah. Yeah, Chris and I knew each other since we were like seven. So we were both at this retreat. Uh, then she actually was in love with me. Uh, I was not into her yet. You know, huge that would crush. take a, yeah, she had huge a huge crush. crush on me back then. Um, but for me, there was this amazing moment there uh, where for the very first time, I actually was filled with the Holy Spirit in a new and a deeper way. 
I remember people gathering around me and laying hands on me and praying for me. And that one moment has honestly shaped and altered me in this uh, incredible kind of ways. Because sometimes some singular moments are so meaningful, they can outweigh other things. Or another example of this is one of my passing of my dad. That one moment has really altered who I am more than almost any other moment. It's actually shaped my theology in deeper ways than I can imagine. Because sometimes moments are so powerful and so deep and impactful that they change you, right? Or another one is, I remember the first time um, that Chris and I kissed. Do you remember that? Uh, under the tree? Under the tree in the rain in my backyard. I always knew I would be with Krista since grade nine, but that moment, that moment lasted. It was more important than other moments, right? And I think we get this, that sometimes identity can be the accumulation of all sorts of moments, or we can have such strong, powerful moments that we are forever kind of altered or changed or transformed. And so today, today, here's my hope. It's kind of a, it's kind of a bold hope, but I'm kind of into boldness today. My bold hope is this, that you and I might have just one of those experiences today, one of those life-changing, world-altering, never-be-the-same kind of moments again, and not because of anything I have said. The reason I've read so much scripture is I want you to have such a powerful encounter with God and the truth of who you are through scripture that you might be forever changed. This is my hope, and this is my prayer for you and for me, that as we talk about who we're becoming, as we try to live in this super weird season with, that's going on way too long with all sorts of difficulties a part of it, what I want you to know is who you are, and I want you to encounter God in a new way. This is my prayer for you, and this is my prayer for me, that today we might all together have a life-changing moment that'll allow us to live into that new identity. Because here's the truth. If you want to live into that identity, that main point that I said, that you are a child of God, that you are filled with power and you are freed from condemnation, if you want to live out of that, you can't do that just by trying harder, just by trying to do more, right? That's not how you do that. You start to live out of that identity by having God change you and shape you and actually fill you deeper. So today, to close, here's my challenge. I want you to live out of your identity. And the way we do that is through having a powerful experience with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It doesn't come through my words, it comes through His. So to close today, I want to do something that's maybe a bit different. To close today, I want to invite you to simply hear the truth of Scripture. I want to pull out some of those verses, and I just want to read that over you a few times in these next few moments. I want to invite you to just hear about who you truly are from God Himself, right? From His Word to you. And I want to encourage you to let this sink down deeply into you. I want to encourage you maybe to open up your hands as I read these scriptures over you. Maybe even stand to just, you know, be a little less passive and to really just hear what it is that God wants to say about who you are. Because here's what I believe. I believe that we need to know who we are more in this season than ever before. I believe that we are changing and who we should change is into the people that God has for us. And according to scripture, that means that you are a child of God if you know Jesus, that you are actually filled with his power so you can live differently and you are freed from all condemnation, judgment, guilt, and shame. You can live a new way. And so to let all of that truth sink in, I wanna to read to you scripture. I wanna to read to you these verses. I wanna invite you in this moment. Maybe as I said, close your eyes, open your hands, maybe even stand up and to just hear who you are. And I wanna to read to them uh, a few times together. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to Jesus, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. And God declared an end to sin's control over you. You are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And Christ lives in you, and the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. We now call God Abba Father, and God's spirit joins with your spirit to affirm that you are a child of God. And this, this is who we are because of what God has done. Let's hear that again. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to Jesus, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. And God's declared an end to sin's control over you. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. And Christ lives within you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he also lives in you. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Fear does not define you. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. And we now call God Abba Father, and God's Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that you are a child of God. This is who we are because of what God has done. Let's hear that just one last time. Let this sink in, that this is who you are. Live out of this truth this week. So now, there is no condemnation for you, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Jesus, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. God declared an end to sin's control over you. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit and Christ lives in you. And Christ lives in you. And the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. He is a part of you, he is with you. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child, when he chose you, when he welcomed you. So we now call God Abba Father, and God's spirit joins with your spirit to affirm that you are a child of God. This is who we are because of what God has done.